catching up with Isaac Shade, host of Locked on Tar Heels. He's going to tell us all about the New York Giants, North Carolina rookies. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. New York Giant fans, welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I'm Patricia Trena, and we are continuing our look at the New York Giants draft picks. And in this case, we're also going to take a look at an undrafted free agent whose name has been linked to the New York Giants. We're going to take our travels down to North Carolina, where we have Isaac Shade, who is the host of of the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. He is also a beat writer for All Tar Heels, which is part of the Fan Nation network, part of Sports Illustrated. So uh, he and I also have something in common. You you guys know that I do Giants Country, which is the Giants channel over there. Isaac, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here and talk the Giants with you. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. And Giant fans, before we get into it, I just want to thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube your first watch. And uh, we'll give you some information at the end of the show where you can watch Isaac doing his thing. So, all (laughs) right. Isaac, North Carolina, offensive lineman. Got to start there. All right. Two picks. What is it about? the North Carolina offensive line that you think was such an attractive draw for the Giants? Well, what's funny is I'm going to tell you why it's not. Like this last year, the sum was less than the parts, Patricia. And and so it's weird then to think about, well, let's go draft them all. (laughs) But here's the thing. A a lot of the issues surrounding North Carolina's offensive line last year was they, they had five returning offensive linemen. And so it projected to be actually a really good year on the line, uh, protecting Sam Howell, who many coming into the season thought would be, you know, top 10 draft pick before actually falling to the fifth round. But the problem is Brian Anderson, their center was hurt essentially most of the year. And so they had to juggle a lot of pieces around, including one of the guys we're about to talk about here in a second. And so guys are playing out of position. And so, so the line just didn't look good as a whole, but when you stop and zoom in on the individual pieces, there's a lot of talent there. And that's why I think uh, the giants went out and grabbed two of them, um, even, even reaching into the third round for one of them, because they see what's there and the possibilities uh, with, with these two guys. And so I, I think it's a, a great move for the giants who um, by all accounts are working to rebuild that offensive line. Um, and so, well, way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, before we get into the individual players' eyes, can you tell us what kind of scheme primarily did they run with that offensive line? Was it at outside, outside zone, inside zone? What did they run? Yeah, sure. Well, interestingly, there there was some change uh, this past season, more based on some personnel things. So um, for those unaware, Sam Howe, North Carolina's quarterback the last three years, has a cannon, like a howitzer for an arm. And so Carolina has relied a lot on, on that, on deep balls, um, more so than, uh, you know, quick hits, slants, those kinds of things um, with, with this line. 
Um, a lot of that was due to the fact that there wasn't any depth in the quarterback room behind him. But in this past season, uh, there were two incoming quarterbacks, both of whom were, were fully capable quarterbacks. And so Carolina actually switched a lot of, of what they were doing to utilize Sam Howell's legs. And so the Tar Heels would still have a lot of those assignments uh, that, that you just referenced, but it would change more this past 2021 season because of some of that different personnel coming in. And so we've actually seen some of uh, various schemes happening, uh, which in actuality then turns into the Giants a big win because you've got uh, these two guards coming in who are capable of, of any of that. Okay. Now, w- let's talk about these guards because, you know, you, you mentioned a couple guys that, you know, or one of the guys who maybe because of the shuffling around that was done, maybe out of position, whatnot. In the third round, pick number 67 overall, they took Joshua Izudu, who mm-hmm. is listed as a guard. I believe he has guard tackle flexibility. Yes. Is he the one that you're referencing as far as, you know, having to shuffle around? Yes, more more so him. He, uh, in fact, in all three of the most recent seasons, played most of his games as a starter at guard, at left guard specifically, um, but has multiple games starting at tackle in each of those seasons. And so um, that is part of why he's the higher pick. And there's other reasons we can get into here in just a second, but he does provide some line flexibility, which for a team like the Giants working to rebuild that unit, uh, somebody who can shuffle around like that, that's a huge win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, position versatility, that was something that the Giants did identify that they wanted to do, um, not just on the offensive line, but really across the board, as many positions as they could. Now, Izudu, if I'm not mistaken, he played, did he play left tackle or right tackle? It was left tackle, right? Left guard, but typically was at right tackle on, on the okay. other side. Yeah. Okay, yep, yep, so yep. I, got it, I got it mixed up. So, <laughs> I good. mean... At the pro level, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to project as a guard. Can you talk a little bit about what he brings as a guard versus, you know, what he still needs to work at? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of what what he's bringing is um, between these two guys we're going to talk about, he is the smaller of the two, uh, at come 6'4", you know, 325-ish in, in that range. Um, and they both these guys we're going to talk about move well for their size, but Izudu just moves well, period. Um, and, and so that is a huge thing. He, he is more athletic, um, can get out into space as needed, you know, pulling and, and doing some good things like that. Um, I would say of, of the two guys we're talking about, he is the less physically imposing of the two, but the higher upside part of that is that positional versatility we've talked about. Part of that is just his skill set. However, I think some of that then moves into his weakness that you just asked about, because uh, I think he has relied some on that natural capability that he has. And so at this point in his development, he is less technically proficient, um, but has these raw intangibles that you love to see can, can get out and move. But for, for here's an example of, of where that falls apart a little bit for him. He needs to get better with his hands, um, with his lower body, so he can get more leverage, find better power um, to, to keep these defenders at bay. Okay. Now, if he had to go outside to tackle at this level, are his skills, you think, 
enough to where he could function out there or is it just, you know, because the NFL is a whole different game. So, Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. but does he have in a, in a pinch if they needed him to go out there, could he conceivably get it done? Or do you think now nah, that's that's asking a lot of him? I think it is asking a lot of him, but I think he is capable of rising to the occasion. He's somebody that, um, you know, at least at this D1 collegiate level had been relied on to to say, hey, what can you go out and do and has been able to do that. Now, he projects to me and from draft profiles that I saw as more of a, a backup um, with starter upside. And so I think that as he develops more of that technical capability, we're going to see more of that possibility because the athleticism, I believe, is there not to be like all NFL elite, I, I would say. Um, but, you know, and, and you're not expecting that out of a third round pick. Right. But um, but I think it is there for him to be able to do that. Yes. All right. Now, in terms of his play style, Finesse, Bulldog, how would you best describe him? I mean, obviously you want your offensive linemen to be nasty, you know what, um, but some of them are finesse guys. So how would, where does he <laughs> fall in on the scale? Yes, absolutely. I would say it is closer to the finesse, but he does have that strength. Um, and so, but it that's where some of the issue is, because again, uh, some of that technical proficiency isn't there as well. And so uh, it's something he's going to have to work on. So he does have um, some of that, some of that bulldog in him, but I don't see that come out much. We're going to talk more about that in a second with somebody else who uh, is, that is his calling card, but, but with Izudu, I think for him to become a starter in the NFL, um, he needs to get a little more of that just that junkyard mindset that you're talking about into his head because he's just he's a super nice kid and, and you love that right you love that as a locker room you love that uh, community but but in new york if if you don't develop some of that thick skin um become some of that bulldog you might get ate up and by the way when i use the term bulldog i realized i was referring to the georgia bulldog so i'm not oh sure i'm so I apologize. No, I mean, no offense to Georgia Bulldog fans out there, but, you know, probably should have said junkyard dog, but uh, no, you know listen, what I, mean. I I Absolutely. And I grew up in Atlanta. So when you say Bulldog, that actually jumps into my head, too. Yeah, I just realized that. But um, and then <laughs> let's just talk about, you know, the challenges like at the NFL level, stunts and twists are, are common. I don't know how common they were down, you know, in, in the college level, but sure. Talk about his mental processing aspect, you know, because you got to be able to recognize that you got to be able yeah. to time your handing off of the, yes. the you yes. know, blocks and all that stuff. How is he in that regard? Great. I, I think that's part of where he is stronger. Um, even though we've talked about some of his technique is, is lower, he processes at a high level and in real time. And it's part of why Carolina's coaching staff relied on him so heavily um, because he is and being, you know, a little um, more undersized as compared to McKeithen, who we'll talk about in a minute, um, has to be able to, to process and move more quickly, which his athleticism allows him to do and, and move around to catch some of that that movement or if the d-line is shifting um, he is able to stick with that better 
All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked On Giants podcast. But first, if you're tired of taking supplement after supplement, you need to get hold of AG1 by Athletic Greens. With one delicious and quick dissolving scoop, you'll absorb 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it still tastes great. Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1, uses only the highest quality ingredients based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So go ahead and reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network today. And they'll send you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. Again, that website is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. All right. Now, you mentioned McKeithen, so let's talk about him. McKeithen yeah. was cho- chosen fifth round, the, the third of three fifth-round picks the Giants had. Pick number <laughs> 173 overall guard. Uh, I don't believe he's played tackle. I think he's, he's no, a purely he, an he inter- is purely a right guard. Yep. Okay, purely a right guard. I don't know if he's has he he hasn't played center. I don't believe, right? No. Okay. At so least not for the, Carolina. I'm not sure if he did in high school ever, but right. not not. But they in might Chapel. they might cross train him. So all right, yeah, absolutely. I'm assuming he's the one what you refer to as having the junkyard dog mentality. What else yes. does he bring to the table? Well, he like he's this classic bus guy. And here's what I mean by that. When a team pulls up to your high school on a Friday night and they get off the bus, Marcus McKeithen's the dude you look at and run for cover because he's just <laughs> a, a massive human being. He's 6'6", 335. You know, like that's what we're talking about here. Um, like, it, you know, that scene in Blindside, the movie where he, he just picks the the defensive lineman up that's been getting on him and like dumps him over the fence at the back. Like that is Marcus McKeithen. He mm. like straight line drives coming at him. You ain't going anywhere because he's stopping it and putting you back on your butt or moving you back into that second level. That's, that's where Mar- Marcus McKeithen's capability shines above everything else. His size, like his ability to thwart bull rushers, like, get out of here with that noise. Marcus McKeithen's stopping it. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And that's what they need. You know, they got to keep Daniel Jones clean back there, which they (laughs) haven't really been able to do much of. What about McKeithen's strengths? Where's, where's the strength of his game and where does he need to take that, that quantum leap to be ready to play at the NFL? Good. Great question. So uh, unlike what I said about Izudu, um, McKeithen is because of being a little more limited athletically, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second, he has better technique already. And so um, uses, you know, his, his hands well, again, as a, it's so interesting how polar opposite these guys are in some of, in some of their strengths and weaknesses. Um, and so when I look at him, he's somebody um, that, that has developed that, um, and you combine that technique with just his body, his sheer size, and and good luck getting around him if you're another meathead like he is. Uh, just one of those people you just walk by and you gawk at him despite your best intentions. However, uh, w- the weakness in that is that um, like smaller athletic defenders, it's like 
if you compare it to basketball, it's like watching Muggsy Bogues run circle around Shaq or something like that, you know? Um, And so that that's where some of his struggle is. Um, Additionally, I've seen him at times because it takes a lot to get the Titanic moving a different direction. Um, sometimes he'll lean a little bit and lose some of his leverage that he's developed. And for somebody that relies on that, um, it's tough for him. The other issue I see for him at the NFL level is because of how big he is. Again, he moves well for his size, but doesn't move well, like period. And so at, at the point of attack, great job and, and can do what he needs to there with a straight on rush. Um, but moving out into the second level and shedding off other defenders, sometimes he struggles with that. Um, and and you hear me saying the straight on thing because as opposed to Azudu, sometimes struggles with with stunts and and shifts and and people spinning and things like that. When you look at these draft picks, I um, you know Azudu third round, you would think he's a little closer to being ready, but how ready do you think McKeithen is, or do you think he needs to to spend some time on the practice squad? Yeah, that's good. First, I, I think with Azudu, the one thing that he's really going to benefit from quickly is just the technique that comes with being in this locker room at this level. And so that's going to, you combine that with his athleticism, he'll be off and running and, and part of that more quickly. McKeithen, um, even though his technique is good and even though he has this huge body, I think there is some probably body transformation that needs to happen. Some just getting beat up on by NFL guys to just learn uh, some of that next next level stuff. Is there more quick twitch that they can find in him to help with some of the movement or getting out into the second level for an extra block? Um, and so, yeah, I definitely think he would benefit from that. Now, I don't know what kind of scheme just yet the Giants are going to run because we haven't really seen a whole lot of practices. But that said, is there any scheme for either one of these guys that mm. you would say, eh, maybe that's not the best fit for him? Um, I would say with Izudu, because of his flexibility and versatility, I think that he could find his way into just about anything. Um, with, with McKeithen, you know, you think about something where you're trying to protect for a, a guy like uh, Baker Mayfield scrambling all over the place and you got to move the pocket a lot. You know, that kind of thing is not going to suit McKeithen well because he like needs to be in space, move north and south rather than east to west. So I would say for McKeithen, his limitation would be anything that requires non-standard, non-prescripted movement. What about second level? Are these guys pretty good climbing to the second level? Or, you know, again, is there some concern? Um, I would say with Izudu, yes, because of his athleticism, he's better at, you know, getting a block, getting off or blocking somebody, shifting them out of the way and getting into the linebackers or, you know, any DBs coming down, downhill. Um, McKeithen, if there's somebody right in front of him again, yeah, absolutely. He can get into that second level and, pancake them or fall on them or whatever he needs to do um but in terms of like if he's got to hit and and pull or hit and and get to uh, the other side of of the box or something like that that's going to be more difficult for him so bottom line for these two offensive linemen it sounds like Yuzudu is a little bit more polished I don't know if he's necessarily start you know going to be a starter day one I don't think no. so no um and it sounds like McKeithen just needs a little bit more work to do. I, I guess, is weight an issue with him? Do you know? 
it has been off and on. Um, I don't, it's never been like a prevailing storyline where they've had to like, all right, we got to get you this dietitian and, and do that. And so, um, I mean, honestly, for any of these huge behemoth men, they, they really have to be more dialed into that um, because a body frame can only support so much. So it's definitely something he's going to have to keep his eye on. Um, so for Izudu, I think he's more ready as an athlete. I think what where he's going to have to put his time in is on working at developing specific skill sets and not just relying on that athleticism with mm-hmm. McKeithen. It's, is there more athleticism in, in my body that, that the giants coaching staff can get out of me? Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Well, you know what? I figured what the giants would do is they would load up on some young offensive line talent. It made sense. You know, it's kind of the reverse of what they did last year where they said, Oh, we're going to roll, roll with the young guys and we'll have the vets backing them up. No, it, you know, the cupboard was bare. They had to get some young guys in here. And, uh, you know, it sounds like they got themselves a couple of good ones. So I'm interested to see how that how it plays out. I just did find it interesting that they both came from the same offensive line. I thought, yeah. you know, gee, maybe there's something in the water down there, you know, <laughs> with the Tar Heels. Exactly. And on opposite were... sides. Yeah, it's so yeah. funny. And they, yeah, they, and one was the left guard, one was the right guard, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, McKeithen is was the right guard, and then Zudu the left guard. Pretty cool. I mean, can you yeah. imagine down the line if that's going to be the case? I mean, that would and, be kind of cool. And uh, how neat to come into rookie camp with somebody you know yes, and are comfortable yes. with, and can can debrief with, and uh, that gets you and understands you. I think that's just that's that's big time. That's help. At, that sure is. I mean, I, I don't know if the Giants planned it that way or if it's just a happy coincidence, but it is big time. So, yeah. all right, let's talk about the defensive end, Tamon Fox. All right, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, Tamon, interestingly, he's the one that I uh, have just known and paid more attention to in his time at Carolina, uh, partly because he's been there six years, what with injury and COVID and and everything with that, but also because he's um, from Atlanta, just like me. And so I just always kind of took a shine to guys from where I'm from. So he's uh, like six, three and a quarter, 260, kind of in that range. And yeah, is is an outside linebacker, edge rusher can come down to the line and and come off that way. And so kind of can move around in some of that. He did have a knee injury, his true freshman year. So that's why that that's six years. And then this past season, the fall of 21, uh, took advantage of, of the COVID eligibility that the NCAA granted everyone and, and came back for that. Um, when you think of, of some of his capabilities, he's third in North Carolina history with 29 and a half sacks in his career, uh, sixth in Carolina history in TFLs with 42. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you, that doesn't say everything, but you just love to see a player's name in the record books, meaning that, th- that they've made an impact on the game at some of those just stat in some of those statistical categories. That's a, that's a good thing. Sure. Sure. Now, is he a pure, uh, three point stance guy, or can he do some outside linebacker play? Great. Yes, absolutely. He can get outside. So he's got good, like prototypical linebacker size. He he does have some athletic shortcomings, but what he lacks there, he makes up for like motor and determination, like any of those words that you think about, uh, you know, he's your, he's your Rudy or whatever, um, help comer cover some of those athletic shortcomings. 
But, you know, he wasn't drafted for for a reason, as we said, with McKeithen falling to the fifth round. Um, but what what I love about him is I compare it to to a center fielder. He has good ball instincts. He gets a good jump on the ball. Um, I, I would say he's better versus the run than like getting outside. But that that's where he's going to come from is the edge if he's able to get back into the quarterback. Um, but because of some of that that footwork that I'm talking about and his instincts, that helps him get outside against a receiver, an outside receiver, to make plays that his athleticism otherwise might not allow him to do. Now, what did they play down there? Did they play a 4-3 or a 3-4 as their base? Well, it, it's, it's switched around some. And Multiple. so he's had, yeah, he's, which again is a good thing. Yeah. He's had to, to go back and forth through some of that. And so uh, you love to see that from, from a, again, we like similar to a Zudu in that, in that versatility. And he's the type of kid, he's a good young man. He's going to do what is asked of him. If he doesn't know how to do it right now, he's going to learn it tonight and come back and do it tomorrow. Um, yeah. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's Locked on Giants podcast. But first, Bet Online is the only place that offers the best information on the latest odds, contests, and player props for all your sports betting needs. No matter what sport you're into, betonline.net has you covered. Plus, they offer everything you need to know for live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head on over to betonline.net today to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Where is um, Fox's weakness and where's his strength? I mean, I know a lot of times with with linebackers, great at rushing the passer, but coverage generally can be a problem. What about his sideline to sideline range? Yeah, so he can he can get out and go. That that outside is actually where he's better. It's it's the slot guys that worry me. You know, some of these guys, just the little quick twitch bug kind of guys. You know, you think of some of them, and and that's where. Uh, just because of not being quite as athletic that like he could stay with a slot guy on his first move. But as soon as there's that reaction or, or the second move or the cutback outside or whatever it may be, um, he'll, he'll sometimes fall off uh, of that coverage and not be able to stay with it, that, that direction change. So he needs to be able to do that. He needs to be able to get off blocks better. Um, sometimes just isn't, isn't able to shed that and, and get back, where he needs to a part of that is similar to Joshua Izudu where he needs to work on his hands um, such as like wrapping up is a, is a good example of that. He can get to a ball carrier, but sometimes we'll miss the tackle because it doesn't wrap up well. So basically it sounds like he might project it to be the practice squad. And, and I'm, and I say that not just because of, you know, any shortcomings or strengths he might have, but also because of the depth in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, he's the kind of guy, though, that is a team first guy that if he's going to go where he needs to go and do what he needs to do um, to, to help an organization. And, and that's what you're looking for um, at that professional level is like, yeah, we just need bodies. <laughs> and, and if you produce, you produce and you're going to get on the field. But uh, he's the kind of person that's going to say, yeah, if I need to start there on the practice squad and work my way up, I'm going to do my best to do that. Will I ever make it onto the field? Maybe not. 
but I'm going to try my best. And like that, that is his character and his nature. He's a, he's a great team guy, great representative of Carolina. And I'm sure he'll be a great representative of the giants. If you don't mind, I'll give you a quick example of that. Um, you, you might recall, and, and you guys listening might recall in the summer of 2020, we had just a lot of like racial unrest in the country and things going on. There was a lot of uh, demonstrations as sports started back that fall, uh, teams wearing patches or, or changing the last name on the back of their jersey. Well, uh, the NCAA allowed college teams to do that so long as they all wore the same patch. And so where did Carolina turn? Taman Fox. And they asked him to design a patch. He's, he's an artistic guy. So he designed this patch for North Carolina. It's, it's the raised fist with several things around it that the, that the team wore on their jerseys that year um, because he, he's one of those guys that's not just like, I'm an athlete and nothing else. He wants to have a voice, be an advocate for people who are um, unfairly treated in our country, uh, wants to say, wants to lean into what kind of a platform do I have because of the athlete that I am. And so because of that, he's someone his teammates will look to. Now, obviously that has to be earned in the, in the professional locker room, um, but that, that just kind of speaks to the character of who this young man is. That's a great story. I mean, I like these little interesting, you know, did you know type of deals because that tells you a lot about the character of the person and what you're getting beyond, you know, the football skills, which, you know, I think equally are as important. Final question for you, Isaac. You know, we we hear the word culture thrown around a lot. You know, the culture of this locker room, the culture of that locker room. It's kind of a catch-all thing, but... Coming from North Carolina, what was the culture that that they had there? And what are these three players potentially going to bring to contribute to this new culture that the Giants are still trying to develop? Yeah, so Mac Brown, uh, who many people will know, used to be at North Carolina, went to the University of Texas, retired from coaching, went to ESPN to be a commentator, and then just completed his third season back in Chapel Hill. Before he came back, there had been Larry Fedora had been the head coach and and North Carolina was just frankly not good. Uh, there, there was good culture since we're using that word, but they just weren't a good team. Mac Brown comes back and he is just he's so savvy because he's been in all these high level scenarios, be it on air, be it at the University of Texas, be it developing Carolina into something of a college football powerhouse when he was there the first time. That's not traditionally what North Carolina is in football, but he comes back and he is a a guy that players love, even though he's a bit older, he he wants to empower and equip them to have conversations with them, to learn what they care about, what matters to them. Great recruiter, um, creating a, a vibe around the North Carolina community where every play at every practice is an opportunity to win. And so they've developed where every rep at practice is, is scored or won or lost somehow. And so I think one of the, one of the big culture things I would say out of that is that these are guys who are going to compete because they are used to competing, like not just in games, but every day at practice to win or lose. Um, They have been, uh, the the North Carolina culture is one where it's pretty loose, where they they have fun, they enjoy themselves, because Mac Brown, he's obviously a very serious man, but he doesn't take himself or his team too seriously so that they can enjoy playing this game that they have been gifted to play. And so Those are the two big things I would say culturally that they will bring these three young men is that they are competitors, 
but they enjoy the fact that they get to play a game for their career. And that's so important because sometimes athletes do forget that at the end of the day, yes, it's a job, but you got to have fun at it. It's like anything, really. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And that, that gets lost, not just at that level, but I guess across the board, no matter what the profession. If you're not having fun at what you're doing, it's time to rethink what you're doing, I think. That's right. So. Go do something else. Absolutely. Well, Isaac, <laughs> this was great stuff. I appreciate the feedback. Again, folks, you can find him, host of Locked on Tar Heels. I think right now you're probably in a, in a lull period. I mean, you're still probably doing uh, uh, recruiting, I believe, right? And yes, there's a lot signings. of recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of signings. Uh, the Carolina's basketball team, as people know, just came, uh, finished second in the nation in, in the national championship. And so there's a lot of movement with the basketball roster. And so, yeah, right. it, it is a lull, but there, there's some fun stuff still happening. Sure. Well, pretty soon. And then you've got the NBA draft coming up. So you'll see which of your players go where. And then you get a nice little break over the summer until, <laughs> That's until right. uh, football That's starts right. up again. Man, can't wait for football to start. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not have the opportunity while I'm on the Giants podcast to thank all of you for the 2008 <laughs> Super Bowl. One of the greatest memories of my life as an Atlanta Falcons fan who was burned horribly by Tom Brady in the 28-3 to game. <laughs> uh, seeing David Tyree pinning that football against his helmet was one of the greatest visuals these two eyes have ever seen. Thank you. Oh, that was just so awesome. We were talking about that before the podcast <laughs> we began. We were. And, and yes, it, that, that was an amazing, amazing game. I mean, goodness, I don't think I'll ever forget that as long as I live. And, they, you know, David Tyree and I were, were, were kind of tight. And, and nice. I, I couldn't have been more happy for the guy. I mean, he, he cool. was a guy. He had a little, little backstory for you. That, that week leading up to the game, Tyree couldn't catch a cold, let alone a football. He was <laughs> dropping passes left and right. And, you know, he was telling me the story and he goes, I didn't know what was going to happen because Placasco Burris, they weren't sure if he was going to play in that game. So Tyree yeah. had to get ready. Well, he couldn't catch anything. And Tom Coughlin was starting to get nervous. The receivers coach was start starting to get nervous. Eli Manning came over to him and said, dude, I know you got this. You're going to, you're going to show up for us on Sunday. I'm not worried. And that gave him the confidence to make any kind of catch. So sure enough, Tyree, who I believe had lost his mother that, uh, that oh, December, oh. I think his mother had passed. He just, between that, and he's also a very spiritual man, and mm. he just prayed to God, and he said, you know, please, I, I'm putting my, my fate in your hands, and sure enough, boom, the helmet catch. One of the greatest catches in the NFL. Absolutely. Iconic. Yes, for sure. Puts a smile on my face just thinking about it because, hey. you know, like I said, I know the person and, and just yeah. the moment and I'm with you. You know, it was nice because all we heard all week long was, oh, the Patriots are going to blast, you know, blast the Giants. They're going to have a perfect season. They're going to set history. And the Giants, if I tell you, they they heard all the whispers and they were like, sure. yeah, we'll see about that. Yeah. So. That's cool. And the uh, 72 Dolphins were pretty happy about it, I'm sure, as well. well I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were cracking <laughs> open the champagne. That's right. I'm That's sure right. a lot of people were cracking open the champagne, including the, the, the Giant fans. So. Yes. All right, Isaac, great catching up with you. Thank you again. Giant fans, thank you for tuning in. As always, to the Locked on Giants podcast, making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube your first watch of the day. Be sure to check out Isaac's work on Locked on Tar Heels. Also check him out 
at alltarheels.com. That is the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site, you know, part of the whole network that over at Sports Illustrated, where you can also find Giants Country. Does a great job and uh, look forward to seeing more of your coverage and also checking you out on Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much, Patricia. Thank you for having me on. All right. Thank you, Giant fans, for tuning in. We'll catch you again with another show as we continue our look at the Giants 2022 draft class.